And the Lord spoke to my spirit on Tuesday three words, make every effort. And I began to pray about those three words. And, you know, there's so many avenues you can take. So many statements you can make, make every effort. But then I began to just seek out those three words in the Bible. And there it was in, in literally there in Second Peter 1, 5 through 10. And I just want to read it to you and preach a little bit today. Uh, if God will allow me to do that. He opens up by saying in verse 5, in view of all this. And, you know, you read 1 through 4, and it just simply says this in a nutshell. You know, you've been delivered, and you're set free from the corruption of the world. Wow, that's good stuff right there. You've been delivered from sin, and you've been set free from the corruption of the world. And so then he says, in view of all this, he goes on to say, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Now, I just want to spend a moment there, if I could. I'll probably go through this line by line, which is rare for me to do it like this, but I just felt led to do it like this. You know, oftentimes God gives us a promise. Something that's very real to us. Something that is very meaningful to us. Something that we have made have prayed for and then God interjects in our spirit, in our life by a voice of the Lord or by an impression of the Lord or by somebody coming up and giving you a word, a statement that radiates in your spirit and it's like a wow moment in your life. That then that happens and then we go and we just leave it sit. But he is really saying to us, encourage us, make every effort effort to respond to the promise that you have. In other words, work hard to go after that promise and believe God for that promise. And don't just put it on a mantle somewhere or in a locker somewhere or in a briefcase somewhere or in a pocket somewhere and think that all of a sudden it's going to show up at your door. You have to make effort to respond to God. You know, let me, little scenario here. You get saved, and some people act like this. They get saved, they never go to church, they never pray, they never worship. They just get saved. (laughs) You know, when you get saved, you're supposed to worship. Go to church and shout it from the rooftops, I'm saved. I'm thankful that I don't have any sin in my life, and I'm thankful that the doorway of heaven is open for me. I'm thankful that in Romans 8 it says that now I'm a, a child of God through the spirit of adoption. I'm thankful that it goes on to say that I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that now all these promises that are given to the church, I'm included with that. I'm thankful that I'm not alone anymore. Loneliness is a real, well, let me just put it simple, bummer. Okay, you like really like being lonely. You can be lonely in a crowded room. But when you have God in your life, you're never lonely again. Amen. You have the Lord and he's dealing with you and he's 
stretching you and making you into something that he wants you to be. God doesn't want men to make you into what he wants you to be. He wants the Holy Spirit through men to make you in or people to make you into what he wants you to be. By reading the word, you begin to change. You know, when I got saved, I became a real geek. Yeah, believe it or not, and I read the pulpit commentary. All 23 volumes, even the index. I read it, and I became really like full of all these different ideas and all this different stuff. But the Bible is what I read most of all, and it showed me something about me. It showed me that I needed God. And it showed me something about God, that he didn't need me, he loved me. And he cared for me, and he healed me, and he saved me, and he delivered me out of a harsh lifestyle. And that's really, really cool to me. That God just kind of reached down into my life one day and said, come up here. I want you to be part of something that's really great. And then he trusted me to speak his word. He trusted me to declare his word publicly in the highways and the byways, in in, in closed rooms, in large auditoriums, to teach people, to preach to people what God's love is all about. And this is what he's saying, make every effort to respond to God's promise. I could have got saved and did nothing. Just did nothing, just hung out. Just did nothing. Didn't go to church. Didn't give, didn't pray, didn't care. I was saved. But that's not our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is our relationship with the Father who created the heavens and the earth, who knew us before we were even born. He knew us in the womb. He anointed us in the womb. He anointed our life, and he gave each and every one of us a destiny that's really powerful. And the enemy of our soul comes along and wants to steal our destiny by having us go down roads of sin, darkness, worry, fear, doubt. Instead of walking in courage, in faith, in acknowledgement that God is real and he will not ever fail us. That we can worship him and find our design in him. Not in advertisements on TV, not in advertisements on billboards, not on advertisements that show up on people's t-shirts. God wants to design us on how the Bible declares who we are. And we are a child of God. That's powerful. And it goes on to say, supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence. Wow. Add to your faith moral excellence excellence. Be moral. How many realize today that we live in one of the most immoral times that this world has ever known? Some people want to relate it to the Roman period. But I think we've surpassed them. What's going on in the immorality of the world. I'm not going to go down an ice cream list or a list of, of immor- immoral things that are going on. It's very apparent. What we see on TV sometimes, what we see out on the street sometimes, what we see going on in people's lives is very immoral. 
And we don't know what to do about it because we are trying to figure out how do we deal with immorality. Well, the first way you deal with immorality is you deal with it in your own life. And you get rid of any immorality that's in there and you make your immorality into moral excellence. In other words, an excellence that reflects God's love and holiness. The Bible declares that we're vessels of honor and we carry around this excellence in us. That people see who God is. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I think that's wonderful, by the way, to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that we should realize that every day when we wake up. When we wake up grouchy, or we wake up happy, or we wake up broke, or we wake up rich. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we wake up living out, uh, sleeping in a, uh, a sleeping bag somewhere, or in, in the Ritz-Carlton somewhere. It doesn't matter when we wake up, if we're God's chosen, which we are, by the way, everybody say amen to that. We have a moral excellence. We have something in us that, that He is dwelling in us, the Holy Spirit, the parakletos. Who declares to us truth and knowledge and walks along our side. And he tells us things that, that's going to come. If we listen closely, he shares with us what's coming our way. Wow, I, I just get passionate about this because if, if we don't do these things, we don't really understand what God is all about. And that's why we have to add to this faith and moral excellence. We have to add knowledge. Knowledge. Let me tell you, you know, in our first ministry in Santa Cruz in 1977, when Bethany College was still down there and, and everybody was there, and we had a seven-day-a-week ministry. Every night we ministered to disenfranchised people. I mean, people that were pretty out there. You know, pushing bicycles around without any tires, only, only, the, only the rim having a conversation with their ring. I'm talking about people that were kind of estranged. We loved them. Witches came in. Atheists came in. We loved them. But oh boy, we had a group of Bethany students come down one day, Pastor Johnny, and they came down and they said, we want to help you. We want to go out into the San Lorenzo Park and we want to minister to these people. All right, go for it. But beware. Oh, we, we, we know who we are. And they ran out and they came back a couple hours later and they were literally, another terminology, freaked out. I says, what's wrong? What's going on? What are you working about? They said, those people out there that aren't going to church, that, that are like kind of hanging out in the parks and... And, and doing drugs and other immoral things and, and things that are bad for their bodies and, and, and their language, they knew the word better than we did. <laughs> they knew the Bible better than we did. You see, they didn't have knowledge. They had a degree of, of excellence and a degree of faith, but they didn't have the knowledge they needed to go out and witness and testify. You need to be able to tell someone how to meet Jesus. How to understand who Jesus is. And how to describe the kingdom of God in a way that it becomes inviting. And how do you deal with somebody that wants to debate with you about the Bible? Let me tell you real quick. 
getting outside the message just for a moment, you don't debate. You pray for them. And you say, if you want to talk about this, why don't you come to church? We have a Bible study and we can sit down and discuss this. I'm just here to tell you that Jesus loves you. And he can take you from where you're at to where he wants you to be. Amen. So we have to do this. We have to be able to have knowledge. And some people, the Bible says, a little knowledge puffs up. So some people get knowledge in the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't like those folks. I love them, but I don't like them because they seem to know more than everybody. And no matter what you preach, no matter what you teach, no matter what conversation you're in, and believe me, they're all over the church world. They have all this knowledge and they feel like all this pride and they want to debate. Not me. I just want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Walking in power. Walking in love, loving God, loving people so I can win a city. That's what I want. Why do you say that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked that, Tony. I really am. Why do we say that? Is because what is it like to be out in the street? And let's say, Mark, you're somebody I'm trying to witness to. We're out in the street and you start arguing and I start arguing. We get in an argument and we're going back. And there's somebody across the street that really wants to know Jesus. And he sees two Christians over there. And his first evidence of Christianity is two people arguing. What What we need to show people is two Christians caring for one another. Or someone else caring about someone else with such a love that it is an attraction. And they notice that and they want to be part of it. And knowledge, what we want to add to knowledge is self-control. What is self-control? Don't lose it. (laughs) Bottom line, don't lose it. Don't get upset. You know, don't don't do that. It it, it just, you've got to have self-control. You've got to be able to say, I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to lose it in my mind. This person is challenging me. Or that, this over here is happening. I am going to be cool about it. I'm going to be respectful. And I'm not going to lose it. I saw a beautiful sign the other day. How do you deal with toxic people? That's what it said. And right under the sign it said, ignore them. That sounds pretty cold, doesn't it? How do you deal with somebody that's negative? Ignore them. You can love people and stay away from them because what people want to do is pour stuff into you. And how many, how many would realize today, and honestly, you don't have to raise your hand, uh, you may have a short temper. Okay, and then sometimes your temper can get radical. I'm just praising God, I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> I'm just saying to you that, it, that we, we, we have an opportunity in our life to make a choice. Do you remember this? Count to ten before you react. Well, that's some psychologists made a lot of money off that statement. But let me tell you something. Counting to ten didn't help me at all. Just gave me more time to plan how I can get out of control. What I'm saying to you is this. Is, is we, we need to let the Holy Spirit... 
help us in our self. This is the fruit of the Spirit, you know that, self-control. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a segment of the fruit of the Spirit. To where we are in self-control, we're all right, we're mellow, we're calm, everything's okay. Some people are sent into your life by the enemy to rock your boat. They really are. They're in there and they just want to give you trouble. But what he is saying right here, Peter is saying, have self-control and with self-control, have patience, endurance. In other words, endurance says that you're going to make it through. No matter how high the mountain, no matter how low the valley, no matter how wide the river, no matter how deep the ocean, you are going to make it through. And you have to be patient with God because God is taking you somewhere. And you have to be patient because what we want is like we tell our little children all the time when they get in the car and two feet down the road, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And we say to God sometimes in our promises, are we there yet? And the answer is no. Be patient. Have endurance. God, if God spoke it, who cannot lie, if he spoke it, it's going to come to pass. God has promised me great things. I have not received them all, but I'm going to tell you publicly right now and on this tape, uh, this, this digital recording, I'm going to tell you that they are all coming. I know it. Amen. Amen. They're coming. This is a promise to me. Me being in this church is a promise from God to me. A promise from God to me and Kathy to be in this church. We have always wanted to pastor in San Francisco. We've been praying for San Francisco since 1982. For a revival to break out here. For something powerful to happen here. That's why we invested in the church that was here at one time. uh, uh, Called the Hot Dog Church. We invested in them because we wanted to be part of that. Because we wanted to see and see the revival and see the power of God. Some of the people that have been praying for San Francisco have already gone on to be with the Lord. And I hope they're up there reminding God, hey, Dennis and Kathy Adams are there now. Let's do this. Sounds radical, I know, but let's do this. Let's win the city. Let's win the people. Let's see a million souls saved. Let's see God just move in power. Let's see the baptism of the Holy Spirit come. Let's see people endued with power. Let's see people miraculously healed. Amen. That's a promise. We're, we're, we're living out a promise right now. And you're part of our promise. I hope that you can look at us as pastors saying, and you're part of our promise too, Pastor. You see, what we have to understand is God says something, He's going to do it. We have to be patient. And then with that, we have to have godliness. Man, it's okay to live godly. It's okay to say no to sin. Let's say you're addicted to something. It's okay to say no to that addiction. It really is. God's a delivering God. He can set you free just like that. God can keep you from doing anything that you're addicted to just like that. You just have to have the faith to say, God, I trust you. You can do this. You can do this because you're God and you're healer, you're deliverer. 
I have seen hundreds of people delivered from drugs in my ministry. Hundreds. Delivered. Set free. Clean. Whatever words you want to use. I have seen alcoholics walk away from alcohol. I've seen heroin addicts walk away from heroin. I've seen cocaine addicts walk away from cocaine. I've seen MDA addicts walk away from MDA. I have seen addicts walk away from things that have caused them from Xanax to to this Oxycontin to walk away from it knowing that they are free because God touched their life and he delivered them. That's the God we serve. But there's a choice. Choose addiction over God. No way. Addiction never gets you to heaven. God has made the way for you to already get to heaven. Amen. I mean, free. Free. Somebody asked me a question several years ago. Do you think I can still do drugs and go to heaven? (laughs) And so I think the person was wanting me to say, sure. Go for it, man. You can ride your high all the way to glory. No, 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 no. You cannot be addicted and get into heaven. You can't. Addiction does two things. It destroys your body. It destroys your spirit. It darkens you. It makes you want that more than God. And the Bible says that there is... There is no God before me. I am that I am. No God. And, and, and we have to understand this godliness becomes part of who we are. And sometimes if you really walk in your anointing, when you walk into a room, people recognize your anointing. They recognize that you're a godly person. And they look and they want to see what you're going to do. And they get a little bit nervous because you're walking in the room. Not that you're there to make people nervous. It's just that you're walking with God and they're not. And all of a sudden they get convicted by the anointing that's on your life. And you haven't even said anything. I can always tell when they do that because as soon as they see me, they start talking about other things. Like, well, hey, how you doing, Pastor? Did you watch the basketball game the other day? I'm not here to talk about basketball. I'm here about to talk about Jesus. You know, what's going on? We have to understand that there's a God. And to godliness, brotherly affection. And brotherly affection, love for everyone. Can you look around this room today? Can you think of people in your life and say, I love them. I love them. I really, truly love them. I care for them. I love people. I really do love people. That's why I'm in the ministry, Kathy and I are in the ministry, because we love people. God put that in us. We just love people. I have trouble loving dogs. But I do. We got three big hound dogs, and I'm telling you, sometimes I'm sitting there and I yell at them and everything else, but then all of a sudden I realize I love them. But I'm here really to love people. To love people, no matter who they are, 
No matter what social level they're on. No matter what color their skin is. You know, let me, can I talk about racism just for a moment? I get the biggest kick out of this because people want to be racist against different colors. Oh, against white, against black, against brown, against whatever color they want to have. Here's the statement that I always make to people that are racist. Who told God what color their house is going to be? This is a house, by the way. Who told God what color our house was going to be? I didn't tell God I wanted to be white. I just was born white. And I love people. I love everybody because everybody didn't choose their own color. God chose the color. And if God, if God put it together, then it's a cool thing. If God placed it, it's a great thing. Whatever God does, I want to be part of. Is that making sense this morning? I want you to understand this is very important. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know God? Work through these. Make every effort to work through this. Let me, let me just quickly bring this to a close now. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. We forget that we have been set free. I have no forgetting of my deliverance, of my day of salvation. I have no forgetting of that. I want that to be a reminder in my life that one day I gave my heart to the Lord and I was set free. Set free from everything that was causing me to be in bondage. Set free. And a love woke up in me that was already there. It woke up. It simply just appeared. I don't know how else to put it. It just appeared in my spirit that all of a sudden I had this love in me. Not a fighter, not a gangster, not a a, a hater, nothing. But this love just came up in my life and it was just so powerful. It was overwhelming and I just fell in love with everybody. And I haven't been a fighter since then. I haven't been a gangster since then. I haven't been a hater since then. I have been God's communication of love. I'm saved. Amen. Filled with the Holy Ghost. I get to speak in tongues. I get to lay hands on people. Praise God. They get healed. I get to just sit with God. And I get to pray. And I get to acknowledge Him. And I get to lead people into the kingdom of God. And guess what? It wasn't just for Dennis Adams. It's for all of us. Every one of us. I'm really feeling this message today. I I just want you to take hold of what I'm saying to you because this is something that we need. I don't want anybody in this room to be short-sighted and blind. Right outside this door. Right outside this door. Can I say it? That is a living hell. People don't want to walk in the tender one People don't want to go to Oakland. My God, people are afraid of Oakland. They are like freaking out about Oakland. Why? I 
just people. Everybody's just the people over there. Just love people. I know I'm being radical. I know that. I understand that. But I believe that when you remember that you've been cleansed from the old sins, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you all the sins that I did because it would probably freak you out and you would probably think, I'm going to another church today. But I'm just saying to you that we have to understand that God has cleansed us all. Set us free. Set us free. You know how good it is to be free? I'm going to give you a scenario and then I'm going to close. Let me just say this. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Let me tell you a scenario about being free that's found in the Bible. Okay, and you need to make every effort at this. And then I'm going to give you a recommendation. I love this graphic of the runners that are running to make every effort to win. But let me, let me, let me say this. Somebody that I know through the Bible, his name is Peter. He was bound in jail. Bound to the floor. Didn't have anything really to wear. His sandals were off his feet and guards were all around him. That's pretty much pretty incredible. If anybody's ever been in jail, there's this old statement. You know that it's finalized when you hear the two gates go. There's no getting out until somebody comes and opens the door. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the bang. More than I want to admit. Bang. I'm certainly not proud of that statement. But he's laying there in darkness. Four guards around him. An angel shows up. Bam. Peter. cement floors. We weren't living in 2019. Okay, where there's carpets and all the other good things. that have. These were cement stone floors basically is what I'm using cement to describe. But it's stone floors. And the sandals that they wore there were not Birkenstocks. Okay, they weren't sneaker sandals. They were made of wood and leather. And when they, he got up, now Peter, now have you ever seen a description of Peter in the Bible? He was a big dude. You know, he towered over Jesus. He was a big guy. You know, and he, he used that kind of that way about him to always kind of stop Jesus from doing what he wanted to do. But this time, he needed help and he didn't know how to get out. And Jesus sent some help. He put on that cloak and put on these sandals. And let me tell you something. 
Now, I, I got Converse on, right? So I'm really not doing this justice at all. But he's walking out of there, and it's, it's, it's a way to get out of there. He, the front door of the jail wasn't just there. He had to get up, walk around, go past other guards, and get out the front door. And literally, that was freedom. Sometimes, friend, when you are bound to something, and you are surrounded by the enemy, and you don't know how to get out of it, God will send help. He'll say, stand up. Put on your shoes and follow me. And I'm going to take you to a place of freedom. He walked out the front door. He went to the house and he knocked on there. And the girl came to the door and she freaked out. It's a ghost. No, it's me. It's a ghost. She ran back in and said, Peter's at the front door and everybody else freaked out. You see, what God wants today in the our world that we live in is real Deliverance just like that. Amen. Where people will see you free and they won't believe it. They'll see you free and they're knocking on the door of your family and they're not going to believe it. But it was Peter. That big old dude, it was Peter. He had his sandals on and his cloak on and he was free and he, he was coming into the house and he had a testimony. You and I have a testimony of freedom and we need to shout it from the rooftops. We need to tell everybody that we have been set free by the power and the anointing of the blood, the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I've never understood people that say it like this. I've been set free. From sin and everything. I can't, oh, I can't do that. My Lord, I can't do that. Be, that'd be like the Cleveland Indians winning the World Series, and I just sat there in my living room and went. Hey, when the Giants, I'm not a Giants fan, but when the Giants won the World Series, I'm in the living room, and I came off the couch and I went. Wow! And I said, you're not even a fan. But they won. They won. And the point being is this. You have a testimony. You have a declaration of God. Second Peter verses, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Of a way... To live. He's giving you the design. And how to do it. And the last thing. Is just a recommended reading. Read Romans chapter 12. Read Romans chapter 12. It describes how a Christian should live. And care for one another. Take time and read it this week. And see what God can do. In your life. As he's done in other lives. And as he is doing in your life even now. Amen? Amen. I, I, I just...